We're really looking forward to revisiting them with our community and hoping that they feel the same way. The theme in one book is going to lead, you know, to something in a later grade that's all just going to pull together for this cohesive education and that will give them always examples in their lives from their reading uh, for everything that they could possibly have to deal with. Welcome to Classical Etc. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. Welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. A very special episode. Because it's the very first crossover episode. Sure. That's a term that yeah. people use, I've heard. <laughs> with the, a new podcast Memorial Press is doing. A new, new show, show called Novel Thoughts with Ian Galloway. Lilo and Tanya Charlton. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about kind of the central conceit of that show. And I just want to hear about why everyone should be listening to it and why you have enjoyed making it so far. So I actually want to start there. Lee, what is Novel Thoughts about? What was the idea for doing the show and tell people why they should listen to it? Well, we initiated the podcast or the show, excuse me. I keep calling it a TV show. (laughs) Yes. And Dave keeps saying, you're not doing a TV show. I said, but but it it is a video and people will watch it on TV, right? A lot of people have YouTube on their TV. This is Tanya's sideways entry into stardom. That's right. right. It's my sideways entry into stardom in the baking world. That's That's right. You have food on your show? We do have food, Shane. We get food when we go. I've been baking for every episode. Homemade scones. Bryce, you are fired. They There's are never been show, food on our show. They are so good too. Good. Yeah. That's the only reason oh. Ian and I are there yeah. is just for the food. We forgot that you didn't know about that, so. or that he's never provided food. To That's us. right. It just feels more hospitable to serve baked goods and coffee Absolutely. to talk about books. <laughs> it sounds delicious. <laughs> no, the the idea about the show is that um, we basically wanted to invite a broader audience into the. Uh, basically water cooler conversations mm. we're having here mm. about books. We talk about books all the time. Um, there are so many interesting comments that people in our office make about the books in our curriculum particularly, and we just wanted to open that conversation up to a broader audience. Um, and so we're just talking about the books in our curriculum basically and just giving people fodder for conversations that they can have in their classrooms or in their homeschools about the books in our curriculum. Um, and, you know, we have said specifically, we're not particularly experts um, when it comes to literary criticism or anything about the books, except the fact that we've been living in this stream of Memoria Press books for a long, long time. And so we want to offer the connections um, and some of the elements that make the literary experience in the Memoria Press curriculum cohesive for Mm. our teachers and students. Tony, what about you? What, What is the show about and what have you enjoyed about making it so far? You always ask me the same question that somebody else has answered mm-hmm. thoroughly. <laughs> That's because I trust in your creative one day, one day I'm going to say ditto. <laughs> well, I'm, I totally agree that it's, it's just conversations that are ongoing here anyway. But I, I'm hoping, and, and as a former teacher, that if once we get, like, we're going to go through all the books but it's going to take a little while to get there. But if I had this, if I, when I was teaching fifth grade, had somebody talk to me for half an hour about Robin Hood, all the themes in Robin Hood and what 
um, what I should be gleaning from that and then passing on to my students, it would have been a huge tool. And I hope that's what this becomes is a tool for teachers and homeschool teachers also that will help them to have a better literary experience with each book. Because these books are really special to us and we want them to be special, you know, to students and that there's, they are, you know, Cheryl always said that the, you know, she wanted to build a student's library. That's what she was doing, a library of books that they would never want to let go of. And so I'm hoping that this will help to do that, just to instill a love for these books that we've chosen that, as Lee said, we're not experts, but, you know, you can only choose so many books. Mm. So maybe there would have been some better choices along the way. I don't know. But we're happy with what we've chosen. And and it's not that we are static. You know, we have revisited them. And, and we are continue to be happy with them. So yeah. Ian, I hope t- it's helpful. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. And Ian, can you tell me a little bit about the format aside from baked goods? <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> are you doing a book for show? Like, what is, what's it going to be like? Yeah, essentially, that's going to be the goal. These first few are a little bit more unique because we do start with kindergarten mm. and we want to go all the way through our grades beginning with kindergarten. So we do talk about the read alouds in, in kindergarten, first and second grade, which have been kind of murky for people. You know, we're trying to bring some insight into why we, we work through the read alouds and what they're preparing students for. So generally speaking, you're going to join Join us as we eat some goodies, drink some coffee. We're going to have some rapid fire questions inspired uh, by you, by you, you know, talk about talking about things that we like about each book um, and then allowing inspired that. Inspired by me, Shane yeah, Saxon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the way that you do your rapid fire, you oh. know, what are you, what are you reading now? Which oh, we didn't do this, oh. I guess this time, <laughs> oh. you know, but uh, anyway. Well, I we, got it into the last podcast oh, because you? I insisted, but if you want to talk about what you're reading, I'm sure Shane would. Yeah, I guess we could end with that, Shane. Is that, <laughs> is that your plan? Oh, yeah. um, you know, whatever you yeah, want. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we, uh, we're going to talk about the, you know, we're going to introduce ourselves, talk about what we're doing and then have a conversation about these books. Um, you know, and some of that you might be, f- be able to find, you know, uh, supplementary uh, information about the book that you may not get from just our guides and stuff like that. The, these conversations are going to be, you know, organic off the cuff. We're, we're trying to talk about the things that we love about them and make connections uh, across our literature so that when you're reading Charlotte's Web in third grade, you have ideas that, that you know, we're, we're not we're not wanting to overwhelm the student with 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 ideas, but but give them some some seeds that may that may sprout later um, and, and make those connections at a later point. So and, and I'd like to add that when I say that, you know, we're having a conversation, we're, we're having it among the people in my library, but also we want to be having it with our audience. We mm. want to be having it with our teachers, with our homeschooling mm-hmm. parents. And so we hope that, you know, um, those listening to this conversation will pipe in and say, hey, you missed this, or yeah, this right. is a great ancillary book to this. Um, and mm-hmm. so we appreciate those kinds of comments from our audience too, because we do not have a monopoly on insight. Mm. Um, and we want as much uh, conversation with our Memoria Press community as possible. Sure. One practical question, do listeners need to have read these books before they listen hmm. to episodes or, or what would you suggest on that in that regard? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think these could serve as great introductions hmm. uh, to the, to the themes of the novel. Uh, so it really just depends on the, I guess the, the nature of the reader. I, I often like to have an introduction to something before I begin reading it, but it wouldn't also, it's, you know, by no means necessary. 
hopefully so, will encourage some enthusiasm for these books. Right. And if you haven't read the books, hopefully we can persuade you to pick, you know, a particular up. book up. Yeah. Um, but if you have read them, then, you know, maybe you corroborate our ideas about That's the right. books or add to those. <laughs> yeah. Lee, it seems like an important part of the conversation that you three are going to be having is what, why the books in our curriculum are good books and why students should read them. There are so many books out there. How did you choose? And I know that Mrs. Sh- Mrs. Lowe was a- choosing a lot of these in conversation with you. How did you decide what were good books and what were not good books? And why is it important to choose good books for our students in these ages? Well, <clears throat> I, you know, I mentioned in um, previously that I lived longest in third grade. And so I um, was witness to Mrs. Lowe as she developed the curriculum from grammar school um, up. And Tanya lived in fifth grade. And, um, and by that, you, you don't mean, mean that you were held back <laughs> in third grade for multiple years? They stay, we stay. I never graduated from third grade. Um, no, I taught um, the first third grade class. It helped with that curriculum most. Tanya um, did so with um, fifth grade when Mrs. Lowe pulled us from our uh financial fields mm. <laughs> to, to well, like real jobs. We had real jobs. <laughs> sure. And so, um, and so really um, the genesis of the read aloud program was, was basically born of panic. Um, I, you know, I had five children in seven years and um, my son was seven the, um, the week that my fifth child was born. And I just wanted to make sure that all of my children had a literary um, rich experience. And I was afraid that the day-to-day grind of, you know, um, taking care of five young children would um, prevent me from prioritizing something that I valued. Um, So I basically set out a plan for myself to make sure that, um, you know, uh, Baxter wouldn't miss the Grinch and he wouldn't miss um, the 12 days of Christmas. And, you know, he wouldn't miss these classics that I knew he needed. Um, and I also knew what third grade looked like at Highlands Latin School. And I wanted to make sure that he was prepared. Um, so basically it was um, just, you know, I, I set out on this goal as a mother, just trying to do what I felt was good for my own children. And Tanya, my dear friend, my lifelong friend, <laughs> recognized how much help I needed. <laughs> so she pitched in and we bought books, so many books. Mm. And we filled my china cabinet in my dining room with um, children's books. And we read every single one and we read them to my children and we read them during nap time. And we, um, and it took us a few years actually to do that. We got a lot of opinions from people. We read a lot of lists. We, you know, we really kind of studied. And honestly, um, the books that we selected just bubbled up as books that we wanted to read our own children and books that we felt would get um, the primary student to um, a third grade readiness for mm. the grammar school books. So it basically we you know we talk all the time about how high school was a top down approach. Mm. High school was formulated first, and then we fi- and then Cheryl figured out what we needed to do to get there. And so the same thing Lee did the same thing with she had taught third grade. And so to come up with the read-alouds, it was basically the same thing, a top-down yeah. approach. What did we need to do to have our students, to give them an enriching experience that would introduce the things we're going to be talking about in grammar school? Sounds like a fascinating time. You, you two were reading hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of books. It was, Can you, you know? take me back there? What were some of the conversations you were having? What were the things that you were like, ah, I'm just, this book doesn't quite meet our goals? What were the the elements you were looking at? Well, some of them were just awful. And so those were easy to push aside. But there are a lot of good books. Right. 
that we didn't necessarily, I mean, we picked, there are so many good books. That's what we mm. always want to mm. say. There mm. are so many good books. And just like we don't have a monopoly on insight, we don't have a monopoly on, um, you know, discernment. Um, we, we Others can curate great book lists too. But um, these are the books that we wanted. We wanted to make sure that we had books that had beautiful pictures um, that sort of followed the classical pursuit of truth, beauty, and goodness that had those themes available. We wanted to make sure that we introduced the idea of traditions um, and, you know, accepting things that have been gifted to us from previous generations. So for instance, Groundhog's Day, you know, things mm-hmm. that you would think, why why do we have a book like that? But it's, it's simply about traditions. Um, it, a, a, the same as a tree is nice. You know, in the back of the book, it talks about we appreciate a tree because someone before us planted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the kinds of ideas that we wanted to just have available in the very simplest ways. And we don't want to burden young students with those ideas, but we wanted those ideas available to us. Um, We wanted poetic language. We wanted adults to be speaking kindly to children. We wanted demonstrations of friendship. We wanted some um, demonstrations of sacrificial love. All these ideas that we're going to get into deeply um, in the curriculum, we wanted them to introduce in very age-appropriate, sweet ways in the the primary years. And also, we wanted it to be um, we've got prose, we've got poetry, mm. we wanted it to be a little ev- elevated language, and illustrations were important to us too, you know, that they be tasteful and that we give a variety of illustrations, and also classic authors that you don't want to miss. So you've got somebody like Dr. Seuss or Margaret Wise Brown, and you, how do you choose among them? So that was part of it too, was which one of these sure. do we do or which two or three? And do we want somebody, I think Margaret Wise Brown's probably in every year, K to two. Now, I do want to say, though, that third we didn't choose third grade and up. Right. Cheryl Lowe chose all of those books, and they, st- they remain what they were. There have been a few changes in high school, but, but really the third through sixth grade is exactly what it was when she chose sure. it. And so we just have come along side her choices with those and so once we fit so we're for our episodes we're doing one on each year of read alouds because there are 34 in a year (laughs) but then after that i think each episode will be less talking about one novel Mm -hmm. like an entire episode on charlotte's web so i think for especially for young parents that this could be really helpful. And even as we move up, if we're moving up faster than you need to, you know, we're always advocates of reading the at least the novels that your children are going to get to before they get there. So hopefully that will encourage absolutely that reading also. So um, Lee and Tanya have been, you know, steeped in these books for That's a right. long time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming you're not you weren't well versed in the kindergarten reading labs before. <laughs> I was before not. This. Yeah. But you, you have a daughter who's six. No, she is four, four and a half. Four, okay. Well, she'll be five very soon. So you're so. thinking a lot about actually, yes, you know, about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What's your impressions reading through these books, getting more familiar with them now? Yeah, I, you know, when when we started doing the show, one of my projects, one of my assigned tasks before our first episode was to look through the read through the kindergarten read aloud's myself. And try to take some home to uh, to Hannah and read as well. And my wife assisted with that. She was really the one that helped read some of these things to Hannah and just try to figure out which ones were our favorites, her favorites. Uh, Hannah was very coy when I asked her what her favorite one was. She said, well, I don't know if I can make that decision today. Yeah. So we're giving her time. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see what she likes. 
But I just, I found some of them so charming, so funny. And of course I have ones that I didn't care for, ones that I liked a lot. I mean, I enjoyed reading Hubert's hair raising hey, adventure. What do you mean there were some you didn't care <laughs> for? There were some that I just didn't like, but that's fine. What are you fine. telling to Lee and That's no, fine. That's part of it. That's, that's part right. of it. <laughs> but, uh, and they shall remain nameless, you know, they, they, they are what they are. But books like Hubert's hair raising adventure, it was just so funny, but the language was great. It all rhymed. The themes that are there make you think as an adult. You know, you, you've got a book like Hubert and he's this prideful, arrogant lion. And by the end, you're not quite sure how he's changed, if he's changed, because he loses his hair and he goes into this kind of depression. But then his friends come around him and they help him regrow his hair and his hair goes wild and crazy. <laughs> and then at the end, he seems still kind of prideful. But but that led to a discussion in one of our episodes about pride versus vanity. And, and so there are things there that, that you as an adult can still learn from these. And they're, they're not necessarily conversations that you're having with your five-year-old at the time, but maybe later down the road, you can say, do you remember that story? Do you remember what was going on there? Planting seeds. Planting That's seeds. Right. Right. And then again, some of the, my, my wife is an artist. I am, I can't draw at all, but just looking at some of these books, looking at, at the illustrations in Hubert's or in Owl Moon, that was, that's just mm. so beautiful. I mean, seeing some of these things, books really kind of come to life again. And, you know, you get so used to reading novels and that becomes a, 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 a you know, a, a new passion or a new love. And I love reading novels, but then going back to these kids' books and being reminded of not only the stories and the words on the page, but the stories and the illustrations themselves. I mean, those, that, that's just a cool experience. Can you tell Shane that this is self-indulgent? Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. just love to talk about yeah. books. And so we're <laughs> inflicting that on you. Yeah, that's right. You guys are spending several hours a week eating goodies <laughs> yeah. and reading good books. Yeah. And we yeah. call this work? Yeah, that's I right. I know. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? We, we worked really hard to give language to justify this. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I want all the listeners to know that the classical et cetera production, this is rigorous. This is hard work. It is definitely it's not, harder. It's not this playful novel thoughts. That's right. That's right. I want to circle back, Lee, because you mentioned just several things that you see as admirable qualities in, in books. But I want, to, I want to camp on that for a second because I think a lot of classical educators are thinking about what makes, you know, Anna Karenina great or mm. Hamlet great? Can we maybe elaborate on what makes Hubert's hair-raising adventure or Owl Moon great? What are the things that parents should be aware of as they are choosing books for their five-year-old or their six-year-old? Well, again, I think it's, you know, you don't want to belabor ideas that mm -hmm. are too mature for the child. You want what we really want is a student to love reading, and we want the parent to help the student discern what is good and beautiful by just giving an abundance of good and beautiful things so that the student will then be able to make those choices independently. Um, and so you don't want to sit down with a book and say, okay, we have to talk about self-indulgence because mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about this all the way through the curriculum. But as a parent, I do very often um, you know, use characters in the books and use stories in the books for situations that are happen happening routinely in my home. I mean, you know, bread and jam for Francis, the child who gets stuck eating, you know, a particular food. I mean, we we can use that as an opportunity to say good things come from having a spirit of adventure. And you may, you know, I mean, parents say those kinds of things, but when a student can feel like a friend of theirs, uh, Francis, has gone through the same thing, you know, they may be willing to maybe stretch a little bit. Um, the idea of, uh, you know, discomfort or inconvenience or 
um, you know, uh, being scared. I mean, these are routine things that are happening for children as they're growing. And all of these books address these ideas in very comfortable ways. And I think that they can really become friends of the child who's experiencing that. And the parent, knowing these these um, situations with these characters in these books, can use them in positive ways to say, well, look, your friend Francis tried something other than jam. <laughs> Eating your broccoli right. is a sense of adventure. <laughs> but there are there are countless opportunities, um, you know, in these books to sort of just give another um, opportunity to connect with your your child. <laughs> hey, what about you? What are, what are some of the things in the primary read? I hate to ask you a question. I've already asked Lee, but <laughs> what are some of the, I'm used to it. The, the things that you are looking for in these read-alouds that make them excellent versus just good or okay? As we chose them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we were really working on what would be the best experience for a young child. Um, and that was really it. You know, we were building science and history around it, art and music and poetry and so it was all when we chose it it needed to to be able to be the foundation for all of that and so it was really serious but now when going back and rereading them i'm really pretty amazed at how they just have this overarching feel of appropriateness for a Mm five-year-old that that they they speak to a five-year-old, you know, that they really are on that level and that we didn't get lost. You know, sometimes you think we we just, we get lost in um, in a project and, we've, and we don't realize the overview of what we've done. And that was the thing that struck me just looking at them as a group now is how perfect they are mm-hmm. really for a child who is embarking on school and embarking on adventures as an older student. And I'm hoping it'll be true for first grade and second grade too. Was there any process for determining the age appropriateness of the read-alouds as you were determining them? Uh, well, like the vocabulary for sure, the, you know, the number of words on a page. Um, for Really for K-2, we were only going to pick classic books. So there was never a question of content Mm -hmm. really being a problem we would never have chosen anything that would be a a content problem that anybody would have to worry about also Uh, my own children i mean we we cannot discount the fact that my own children the books that they Mm -hmm. would bring to us again and again on the couch i mean and that's what you really want in a book and if you're trying to grow children who love to read, what books do they love to read? Sure. Um, so I think that, you know, yes, you can't and discount that. <laughs> we know. And if I did, you know, if Lee liked a book and and I was just a little iffy about it and she said, Baxter loves this book, then I would know that that was a good choice. Mm-hmm. And so... He's not, he wasn't the primary. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Everything Baxter likes. <laughs> But, but that it was did, an that wasn't it wasn't in sure. we we did want the input of young children. That's why I asked Ian to mm-hmm. find out which was Hannah's favorite. And so far, but I she won't given, tell us. That's right. Yeah. Well, she's she's very got private. A, yeah. with it's her because opinions. they're all so good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
a lot of this conversation has revolved around the earlier grades um, because that's what you that's where we are on. right mm-hmm. what are you looking forward to as you move towards the grammar school and high school oh we're just well you know we've as i've said in classical etc over and over we are revisiting all of these books just to be sure you know that that we feel still feel really good about the choices and um we are overwhelmingly happy with what we've done so far and and so we're really looking forward to revisiting them with our community and hoping that they feel the same way and just talking about the themes that are in them and the connections and how one the theme in one book is going to lead you know to something in a later grade that's all just going to pull together for this cohesive education of children and that will give them always examples in their lives from their reading uh, for everything that they could possibly have to deal with on a on a third grade level or a fifth grade level. Sure. And the other thing that is important to me is just, um, you know, helping our students interact with books in um, <clears throat> meaningful ways. I mean, I, you know, I, I think helping students develop a contemplative attitude towards books is important, which is one of the reasons even in the primary grades, we read books multiple times. We suggest that because you can glean something new every single time, even in very, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and books for the youngest students. Um, and so bookmarking, paying attention, you know, to um, beautiful passages or vocabulary that you don't know or allusions that, you know, make a book exciting and connective. Um, and so just, you know, helping students um, develop the, the patience, I think, um, to progress through a curriculum with increasingly difficult and meaningful books. And so I think that that is one of the hangups um, with the literary experience for many people, it's just, you know, the idea is I pick up a book, I start on page one, I finish the end, check, it's finished. Mm-hmm. But the interaction is not, um, you know, doesn't value contemplation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really um, a, a kind of a skill or a habit that I would like to encourage in um, our students because it, it takes, it's a different attitude in the way you interact with books. You'll certainly get more of that as you go forward. That's right. That's right. And I think that that's, you know, to me, you know, when I read uh, Anna Karenina or, you know, these uh, Dante or these, you know, books in the top of our curriculum, those aren't those aren't books that can be read quickly. You Mm. cannot just say, check, finished the Divine Comedy. Um, (laughs) So, you know, you have to you have to be willing to spend, you know, a lot of time with a single sentence or a single paragraph. Um, And you have to be you have to have developed that. Um, attitude of I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to look in the sky and say what in the world was that about and you know just and, and just have the patience to interact with a book that way and with I think, the pencil right. in that's your right, hand with the right, pencil right. in your hand <laughs> um, and I think that that's the thing that really breeds um, you know a, a quality literary experience for our students Ian anything you're looking forward to as you move into the older grades well, those are the books that I've been more familiar with. So I think that I have more to say and more to offer just an insight about those books. Um, but yeah, I think instilling in that uh, everything we've discussed so far, I just want to, I just want to affirm and say, that's, that's right. That's what we want to do. We want to start treating books, uh, not like the one-off kind of thing, but you know, it's fine to even go back and just read a section of a book later that you'd like, like, you know, you think about books differently. And I think that's what we're going to be excited about uh, going into and talking about. But also one of the things that I think I'm really excited about is because I have a young daughter who's starting to read some of these. Read- she's not starting to read. She's, she can't read yet. She's starting, you know, 
learning next year. She'll really learn. Uh, but as she begins to read these books, I do want to have the awareness of where at least a good choice of books, a good pathway out there already chosen for me is and, and, and how I can connect those higher level books back to her and, and think about those things in a deeper way. I mean, I think that's just, I think that's one of the benefits is that we can, we can till that soil and, and really prepare the soil and our students plant those seeds um, and, and us going through all the books that we have uh, really brings to light um, the beauty of a, of a, of, of a, um, cohesive. cohesive curriculum. Yeah. Yep. But you know, we're talking about in, I've been in all this elevated adult language about yeah. it, but ultimately it's just for you to have an experience, at least in the young grades, mm-hmm. but all the way through, if you can, I know it gets harder, but for, with those read aloud books, just sheer delight, yep. wonder, imagination right. that the student will have that, joyous experience by just holding a book and 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 reading it with an adult last question what is one book that you've gone back to for the making of novel thoughts that you'd recommend to everyone well we just only did kindergarten yeah i don't i don't know (laughs) if i have an answer yet for that (laughs) well there's like 40 books well i can i can speak to Ian may not be able to speak to this, but Lee and I have been heavily going through third, fourth, getting ready to to start fifth. And and the book that I think, so for me, it was my question about Lassie is, is it too sad? So, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to put that one to bed. But the Moffats, we, because we knew Charlotte's Web was amazing, Farmer Boy was amazing, but we were like, are we really going to think the Moffats is the right choice and we were just so surprised and excited <laughs> to find what a charming little book this was and how full of good content that is age appropriate for students is. So that would be my surprise that I've gone back to. I agree. The Moffats is so meaningful um, and it expect and it surprised us. So see, now I get to say ditto, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> I also, well, at, we've done this together. Right, so it's, and it's really been, hard. So we, right. we have the same thoughts. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I don't bake scones. <laughs> um, I thought the extraordinary egg was hilarious. I love the extraordinary <laughs> egg. I love I the extraordinary It's just a, it's <laughs> like a, it's just a book full of good humor. It's so charming. It I is. love that one. I, it surprised me because I kind of it, it was at, my children are grown and I'm not living in those books <laughs> quite as much, but I'm going to give it to my nieces. <laughs> right. yes. Can I change your question and make it more appropriate sure, for I myself? I want you to do whatever you want to that's, do. That's right. Uh, he I'm is go- a host. And he's I, a rival I, host I now. <laughs> I'm going to answer what was my favorite read aloud. Is that, oh, is that that's fine? A good one. Because I think that that's kind of the only thing. Okay. My, my favorite read aloud. I did love Hubert's hair raising adventure. Thought it was hilarious, but my introduction, I had never read it before, but how to make an apple pie <clears throat> and see the world just made me smile on the second page because you start. And I mentioned this in novel thoughts, the girl, wants to go make an apple pie. So she goes to the market, the market's closed. So the next possible thing she does is goes to Europe <laughs> and gets starts on a journey, getting all the supplies that she needs. And it's just such a great, I think, instance of how these books are working on multiple levels. It's telling a delightful story with fun illustrations 
that a kid may not even think much about other than, oh, okay, well, this comes from here. This comes from there. But you know, you as an adult know, actually, this is kind of teaching. This is teaching geography and economics. Like it's telling you what, and what, 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 and what, where food comes where from. Where food comes from. Yes. And so there are, are higher levels of value to a book like that. But even so, even so, even, even those thoughts were secondary to just the delight of turning the page and being in Europe. Beautiful artwork in that <laughs> book right. too. But we need to feel sorry for Ian because he his job is to corral Lee and me into yeah, some yeah, kind of conversation right. yeah. that makes sense, Ian, stays I'm, on topic. I'm praying for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll need some help. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to listening. Thank you guys for having this conversation. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you liked this episode, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.